Queen's Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton. And as a child of the 80s, I'd love to say queens rule, but they don't. Queens lead. Being a queen means you are worthy to be a leader of people. The guests on our show do exactly that. They are leading the way in their businesses, families, and communities. They're taking their rightful place in the spotlight, leading and inspiring the developing queens in all of us. Welcome to the Queen's Lead Podcast. Hello and I welcome everybody to another episode of the Queen's Lead Podcast. Today we are joined by Mary Beth Simone from Philadelphia. She is the owner of Niche Partnership Consulting. Welcome, Mary Beth. Thank you. So great to be here with you. It's great to have you here. So I said from Philadelphia, the Philadelphia area anyway, up north. So tell us a little bit about what Niche Partnership Consulting is. Yeah, so I um, I retired from corporate in 2018, and my specialty was project and program management. I worked in financial services. And so in my business, I primarily help uh, business owners and individuals create their contingency plans so that they are prepared for the unexpected. And I also do some strategic planning with businesses and nonprofits, especially this time of year. Yeah, I bet coming up mm-hmm. on the, the end of the year planning for next year. What so when I read that, I was like, okay, what exactly is contingency planning for businesses? Is this is like estate planning for a business kind of? Well, it complements estate planning. So honestly, the work that you do with your attorney, it's it's very, very important, whether it's for your personal life or your business, but it's simple. To get it done. It costs a good bit of money sometimes, uh, but it's, you know, they do all of the work. You might meet with them for a couple of hours, go through some details, and then they go ahead and create all of your estate plans. And then you meet with them and they explain everything to you. And it's, but it's not like an action plan. It's kind of like a plan on paper. It is. And then in order to make that, um, really support like that is that is a cornerstone of your contingency plan but there are other pieces of the contingency plan that need to be put in place so I recommend that you identify a second in command for your personal life and for your business who will you will train to do what you do uh, so that they are prepared to step in in case you need to be overseas to take care of like we have family members overseas, if you have some unexpected need that you that takes you away from your business or your life. And so I've created a process that I take my clients through uh, to assemble all of their information related to their finances, everything to do with their life, whether it is uh, titles to their vehicles, real estate, all of that information, their passport, social security card, birth certificate, all of that is uh, assembled into a binder and organized in that uh, in that system and then stored in a fireproof safe. So we start that way with an individual and then I do that with a business owner to go through their uh, all of their related information for the business. And then finally, I work with business owners to create their standard operating procedures because most business owners don't have them for themselves. They have them for everyone else who works for them, but not for them. Yes. 
Yeah, that it's all up here, it <laughs> right is. in our heads, right? It is. Yeah. Wow. Well, I can only imagine the weight that's lifted off of people when that happens. So we heard a little about the consulting. Tell us a little bit about Mary Beth as a person. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, I worked in corporate for a very long time. Uh, and I was in the same company, but always changing roles. I probably had about 15 different jobs in 31 years. Wow. Uh, some of them were my choice. Some of them were not my choice. Uh, <laughs> I love change. Um, and that is probably what attracts me to the project management type of work. I love mm -hmm. to work with different people, you know, after a period of time. So typically when I work with clients, I might work with them for three months. Uh, and then I work with a new client or on a new project. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I, I love change. Um, when I retired, I became a certified Les Mills instructor uh, because I just wanted something that would challenge me physically. And uh, I knew I would be doing public speaking in my business. So I wanted to like stay in front of people, manage my nerves uh, and, you know, memorize choreography and all of that kind of stuff to keep me sharp while I was uh, building my business and getting ready to open. I am a rescue dog mom. I have a couple older rescue dogs. Uh, I'm married and my husband owns an auto repair business, so I can talk car. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that's a little bit about me. <laughs> I love it. So yeah. tell us about kind of that transition from corporate to like, what was the catalyst of you going, I'm going to open my own business. I'm going to do something for myself after yeah. retirement. Normally that happens like before that you know, people get fed up and leave and do their own thing, but you, you stuck it out and retired and, and then did your own thing. So I, I did. So I, I always envisioned that I would retire early. Um, so I thought I would do it when I was 50, but I waited until I was 55 and all of the numbers just came together well. And I mean, I would say that there were times throughout my career that I wanted to leave before that, but I was getting to the point where I was getting so close that I would just, yeah. I would get a different job. I would change it up and like, you know, try and, you know, stay excited about what I was doing and learn something new, uh, to get to that milestone. and. I always envisioned that I would do something else after I retired for a business because I feel healthy. I like being engaged. I like trying new things. Uh, I just wasn't sure what it would be. And uh, so two years before my target date of retirement, one of my closest friends who retired before me, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, so that was, you know, devastating. I mean, it was a, they were optimistic about it. It was operable, which it isn't operable for everyone. Uh, right. So they thought it was early stage. Um, and so like initially it started out, we thought that she would make it through and then it became more serious. And she asked me if she didn't survive would I be willing to help her husband navigate the retiree benefits and the finances? Because mm -hmm. she did all the investing. We were both program managers. So we were technology geeks. 
he didn't use a computer, didn't use a cell phone. He's 13 years older than her. So it was like okay. all of these things that she knew were going to be challenging. Mm. And so I said, of course I would do it, not knowing what I was agreeing to. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And um, and I asked her to show me what she had going on, how she did what she did. And uh, that never happened. And she passed away. And I just started figuring things out. Um, so I spent about six hours a week with her husband for three months uh, to get everything all figured out. And in that process, I realized that uh, as organized as I am, that I wasn't prepared. If something happened to me, my husband would be basically in the same situation. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's when I decided to really focus on contingency planning, knowing that there's, you know, are all of these boomers who are retiring. Uh, and I thought that it would be an important service. So I initially focused on retirees and then quickly got involved with business owners. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought I would be working with older people, you know, 55 and older, but I honestly work mostly with women who are 35 to 55, who are business owners, who may want to have another baby, um, who worry that their spouse or partner doesn't know enough about how they run the household and the business uh, to keep things going if they were hospitalized or, you know, out of the game for a temporary amount of time. Wow. Okay. So are you helping them to, um, you mentioned like short-term leave, are you helping plug someone into that role or just developing the role so that they can hire help or, or bring that person in or someone yeah. on their internal team can do that? Right. So um, first we look, so a lot of people who I work with have teams. Um, and so first we look at who they have on their team. Now, if they don't have, you know, full-time employees, they might have contractors that they work with, online business managers. So we might piece it together. So I sometimes refer to this as a board of directors type approach where okay. you might have a spouse or a partner who you trust with making the financial decisions so they can see everything financially. And maybe you don't want everyone in your business to have that purview. So mm. maybe your, you know, your key person uh, personally, like at home or in your relationship is your number one, but then they're supported by possibly your online business manager, your administrative assistant, your bookkeeper, an accountant, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. if something were to happen, we create a plan where they would all come together and have a piece of the pie. Okay, nice. All right. So tell us about a client, someone, I mean, maybe not your friend client, but tell us about someone that you've helped take through this process and, and what that looked like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I have, I'll, I'll just mush together a bunch of clients and, um, to make it into one so that I don't, uh, disclose any personal information, but I of work course. a lot with, um, group practice owners, mental health group practice owners. Okay. So I recently spoke at, uh, a conference in Chicago in July, 
uh, to mental health group practice owners. So I've been working with them for probably the last year and a half or so. Um, and so typically we just, we start with the, you know, with the personal plan and that is so individual for everyone. So it depends on, you know, what is happening in their life. How old are their kids? How many kids do they have? Do they have children? Um, how involved are they in their parents' finances? They may have bank accounts with parents, mm -hmm. uh, depending on the situation. Um, what are their accounts with their spouse or partner? Not every person shares finances or even wants their partner to know about their finances. So it's really getting into the details of that kind of information and identifying if uh, if they have a need for financial planning advice and connecting them with proper resources. Do they have the necessary insurance that they need? Um, so sometimes with high net worth business owners, they may not focus in those areas because they feel like, you know, I have enough money to do what I need to do, right? Yeah don't have the insurance, they don't have the financial planning advice. Uh, so I do an assessment and review all of those areas. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do some research and make some connections for them. And then they have homework to do to pull all of their information together as well. So it really has to start at the personal level. I, Pretty much. I, yeah, that's my, um, that's my goal is to start at the personal level. Now, recently I've had some clients come in who say that they have personal plans. Uh, so we start with a strategy session to review the personal plan so that I can see where that stands because. Mm -hmm. Do plan. you really have a plan? <laughs> Let's check that plan. <laughs> exactly. What does that mean to you? It may mean yes. something different to me, right? Um, so it's a good, it's a good foundation because that's where I figure out if you need to work with an attorney and, you know, do you have the right type of an attorney? So for example, with, uh, group practice owners, they are in some States, they're required to have what's called a professional will. Um, and that is a will that gives their clients, uh, gives access to their client information to another therapist. Oh, so if something yeah. happens, you know, can you imagine, you know, if your therapist dies and you're, you're, you have appointments set up and they're not even canceled and you show up and nobody's there and you're like, what is happening? Right. Yeah. I can you want imagine. somebody to communicate with you. Yeah. Yeah. So once we've finished all of, but in that personal plan, phase, that's when I identify where are those big gaps. A lot of work gets done during that. And then we can build on that and go into the, um, into the business contingency plan. And so I create all of the materials for the clients, the binders, uh, with all of the document uh, holding uh, inserts and everything. And I ship that to them so that they have that before we start each plan. And then the final one, the SOPs, we do that digitally on Google Drive and just provide it to them so that they can just import that into their business materials. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. 
Well, I love that process. And I love the peace of mind that that's got to bring people, you know, and not even just the business owner, but their clients, their families, everyone surrounding them. Right. Like sometimes families don't, they don't want to talk about this at all. I'm like, why are you doing this? Why would you? Yeah. But yeah, usually my clients have either experienced something uh, themselves or they have seen something happen. Either, you know, a parent has had to handle it or a friend has had to be in that situation. And it's women typically who say, hey, I know I need to get this in place because women, you know, feel responsible for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course they, we do. Yeah. We are. Yes. Right. Most of the time, right? Exactly. <laughs> so like, if I'm not here, what happens? So tell us that failure that people are avoiding by engaging your services. What, what is that? What are they avoiding by setting all of this up? I know obviously the patient, you know, transfer of information, but what else, what else could we find ourselves in if we don't take action? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, by avoiding taking these steps when something, I, I always think about the people who were on cruises before we knew that COVID even existed, right? And their boats were kept out to sea. How many of them were business owners? How many of them had what they needed to do bank transfers on board? Did they have the security? Did they have the, the resources to do that? Were they able to run their business from a cruise ship? Were they even thinking about that when they left for vacation? It's that kind of unexpected absence, you know, and you think of how upsetting that can be to your employees uh, if they don't know when they're going to get paid. They don't know the status of the business. Is the business going to keep running? And we've had people, business owners who were hospitalized even later with COVID and the employees were saying to us, I don't even know what's going to happen. Nobody else knows how to do what he does. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you think about caring for your employees and keeping your team together and, um, you know, creating a situation where they are taken care of, regardless of what's going on for you, then yeah. that, that really is one of the impetuses to get this done. Yeah. So not just, we're not just avoiding problems after our own death when we won't care, but even during right. illness or extended vacations, un unplanned extended vacations. Exactly. And, and the, the positive of getting this done is that business owners are able to take more vacation because when we go through this process, we're able to evaluate why is the business owner doing this role? Should they be the ones doing it? You know, like I had somebody who's like, I love planning the birthday parties. <laughs> You're so busy, you know, like maybe there's somebody else that this should go to. Yeah. Those kinds of things, you know, evaluate what is on your plate uh, to free you up more and to make things more streamlined. Yeah, I can only imagine how much that plays into, I was really kind of thinking like, how do the processes and, and systems fall into place? But I can imagine how many things you identify throughout this process that like the C-suite people are 
ordering a birthday cake from Sam's for the staff. Like that is definitely a thing they should not be doing, even if they do enjoy it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like let's figure out where you're, you're spending your time in your business and, and free you up even more. Right. That's right. <laughs> So let's take it back to your business and the iterations of niche partnership consulting. You've obviously had a crap load of experience that brought you to this point, but were there challenges coming from corporate America where everything was kind of done for you or you were the one implementing for them and then doing your own thing going, wait a minute, what do I need in my business? Who do, how do I hire a team? How do I develop this? What were some of those initial struggles when you, um, when you first started out on your own? Yeah, that is a great question because, um, I was a project and program manager. So I, you know, I usually did not have a team. I would have people who didn't report to me who were responsible to me. Uh, but I often was, like a one woman show. Um, so I thought coming into my own business, like how hard could it be? <laughs> how long we'll can we keep this laugh going? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> how hard could it be? Right. Exactly. Really hard. Really hard. hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I had done all kinds of technology assessments and made recommendations and done implementations and corporate. And uh, doing it for my own business was a completely different ball game. I mean, the time that I had, I had in the last five years before I left corporate, I was responsible for evaluating a CRM for the enterprise. And I thought when I needed one for my business, I'm like, this will be simple. Oh my gosh, I spent so much time and tried so many different softwares and I wasted so much money. And yeah, it's just a black hole. You know, you go into a rabbit hole and it's like, it's hard. Yes. To yes. yes. So it was challenging. I worked really, really hard, <laughs> you know, a lot of hours. Um, and there was a lot of learning, but I, I would say it's, I love it so much. It's the most enjoyable work I've ever done in my life. That's awesome. So do you yeah. have a team now, five years later? Do you have other people that are helping you out or are you, are you running this all on your own? Yeah, so it's really only been um, three years. So it was three years in May since I opened. I opened in May, 2019. I have contractors who I work with to support me, but I don't have uh, any employees. As of yet, that may change next year. Yeah, nice. Yeah, well, congratulations. I mean, yeah. three years in to already be where you are is fantastic. And Thank you're you. speaking. You're speaking on stages to who? Who is your audience? Yeah. So um, I speak at conferences. So let's see. Um, I have done all different types of speaking engagements to you know, small industry groups like the American Business Women's Association. Um, and I did, I spoke at a TED style event. I wrote a TED style talk. I did that last year. I did it in two different venues, actually two different events. Um, I spoke this year at the Pennsylvania Sustainable Agriculture Conference in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 
that was in February. And then in July, I spoke at the Group Practice Owners Conference in Chicago. Uh, yeah, so mostly uh, professional type conferences, business conferences, uh, mm -hmm. to share with them ideas on how they can better plan for the unexpected. Yeah, yeah. Do you go much into the systems and processes during those talks? So um, I give I give examples uh, to you know kind of bring them in as to what can be considered part of contingency planning, and then I share with them all of the categories that are included in the contingency plan. So for some people, they just, they love seeing that because mm -hmm. it is a way for them to get started. Uh, they don't know exactly what's behind it, what everything that I would coach you on doing with it, but it is a great way to start. And then for business owners, I created a course um, for how I work with business owners to get their standard operating procedures documented. I created a free course for them uh, to take advantage of too, in case they want to do that with their teams. Yeah, I love that. I love that you can offer offer that value without, you know, giving away the entire secret sauce. Yeah, because I mean, sometimes it's important for people to be able to start small, right? Because this is an investment financially and from their, you know, a perspective of time. And not everyone's ready for that at the time that we may, you know, they may find me. Um, mm -hmm. So they need to start with some small incremental steps. Yeah, and I'm sure giving them those broad strokes of what to kind of gather and be thinking about before they engage you is probably pretty helpful leading up to like, wait, where's my birth certificate? Right. <laughs> Exactly. And they're like, do I really need that anymore? <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. My 80, oh my gosh, how old is she? 82 year old grandmother was actually talking to me this last week about she found her birth certificate, but she's been married twice. And so now, and she doesn't have either marriage license or any of that. And of course, both the men are dead at this point, but to get her real ID, yeah. she they're requiring it. And she's exactly. like, I don't even know where to go. Right. To yeah. start getting that. How do I prove this that I was married to these two dead guys? So yeah, it's something to think about because the government or somebody's gonna want it one of these days. Yeah. And some people, you know, some women rely on social security of like even if they're they were divorced, if they were married for 10 years, mm -hmm. then the spouse is eligible to get the deceased spouse's social security, or even if even if they're alive to get their social security. So you need those documents to show the government and you need, you need a birth certificate in order to be buried. Really? Yeah. You have to Didn't have all that. of your like original information of where you were born. And yeah. Wow. Imagine that. <laughs> so give us a little, give the listeners a little teaser of some of those things that they can start thinking about to put into place other than documents, obviously. Yeah. Um, in preparation to make this contingency plan or work with you on a contingency plan for their life and business? Yeah. So first I would say is think about who your second in command could be. Sometimes people are like, oh, it should be my oldest. Oh, it should be fill in the blank. And what is most important is that the person is able to navigate difficult situations. So imagine something has happened to you 
It's an emotionally charged situation and there's business to be taken care of. Yes. It needs to be that type of person. Somebody probably not my baby, probably not my child. Yeah. I mean, it's often not right. And that can be a tough realization for people to come to. And they, sometimes they don't realize till they start talking to the child and the child's like, why are you asking me this? You want me to do what? No, I'm going to no. be in my closet crying with a, a bowl of ice cream. What are you talking about, mom? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so think about who that person can be, you know, somebody mm-hmm. who you trust with all of your financial information, your uh, social security number, your everything, your passwords, all of that kind of stuff. So somebody who you trust a hundred percent and make mm-hmm. a list of those people because it may end up being more than one person. It might be one person for your personal life, one person, one person for your business. So identify your uh, second in command. The next thing I would say is to uh, have a password management system. Oh my God, could you say that again? Say it really loud. Have a password management system. Number one problem with my business. Nobody knows their login. Yes. This yes. is so, so important. So it, important. Yeah, it, it, can, it can really impede progress if you don't yes. have this information available. So I like LastPass. Yes. Uh, there are, yeah, there are other okay. online systems available. I don't like Norton very much. It's like really glitchy. Uh, but LastPass is wonderful. It's wonderful for business owners. Uh, it works for HIPAA compliant businesses. If you if you don't like an online password management system or your second in command doesn't like that, then I recommend having a password book. And I have one, I have instructions for how to create one on my website that you can access uh, with a video and all of the information about what you need to do it. So you have to think about what works for you and what mm-hmm. works for your second in command. So even if you use something like LastPass and you need to have a book for your uh, second in command, you can download the LastPass passwords into an Excel mm. spreadsheet, like do mm. it every few months or something and just put it in the book so that you don't have to. Yeah. So smart. That's brilliant. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing I would say is to think about your estate planning. So first for you as an individual, and then estate planning related to succession planning for your business. Um, If your estate plans have not been updated in the past five years, it's time to pull them out, read them. I pretty much guarantee that something has changed. Something will need to be updated. And if you don't, if you've never created one, because over 50% of Americans have no estate plan in place. Um, then it's time to find an attorney who you would like to work with. To put mm-hmm. in place. And I have a I have a wide uh, array of attorneys across the United States. I have a spreadsheet, so if you want to connect with me and ask me if I have a, an attorney I can refer to you, please do. Feel free to do that because it's so important. Yes, yes, I love that. Those are here and here your top three tips. Figure out who your second is. Please, for the love of God and every deity, get your passwords in order. Yeah. 
<laughs> and plan your state. We don't want those kids who are not the second in command to be sitting in probate court because they can't sell our home or get rid of their, their stuff and just wait and wait and wait. That's such a, a hassle for your family, especially during a tough time in the case of death or, you know, uh, the unexpected. That's what we're planning for here, right? It's not going to be an easy situation moving forward. If I kick the bucket at 45 or even 85, it's never easy, but having that plan in place is everything. That's exactly right. And, and even having a contingency plan in place does not make it easy. It makes it easier. Yes. And if you've ever been through those, you know how much, how valuable that is for it to be a little bit easier because mm -hmm. it's really hard stuff. That's yeah, funny. it's not something that we're experts at. That's why we rely on attorneys and and planners and and people like you who can strategize and help us out because it's not our specialty. Yeah. And <laughs> one other thing I would say is there's no shame in appointing an attorney to be your executor. There's like it's not a great gift to give to your child or to your anyone. Um, mm -hmm. to be your executor. So don't shy away from that. Yes, it will cost, but your whoever you uh, name as your executor is entitled to be paid for their mm -hmm. time. So you're mm -hmm. paying anyone. The attorney will just be faster and more knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah. Might as well pay to get it done. By the time you reach, you know, like a certain age, you finally start to realize like, who can I pay to do what? And what do I know? Exactly. Right, because we can't know it all. Right, and your second in command and your family is going to need to support the attorney with all kinds of documentation and information. They'll, they'll have enough to do. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, so you mentioned speaking at the Board of American Business Women's Association, and you are on the board of that. That is actually a nonprofit for those of you who aren't aware of that, that helped forward women in business here. Uh, so talk a little bit about your service on their board and what, what that's meant to you. Yeah. So I am a treasurer. I'm in the second year um, as treasurer with this uh, particular chapter. And I just I really love organizations that support women's growth um, professionally, whether it's in, you know, a corporate environment or as entrepreneurs. We're um, appearing on a podcast all about women. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. That's what I, I really love that more and more, uh, especially as an entrepreneur. It's like, that's the place that I like to be. Um, yeah. So it's just, you know, we do a community service project every year around the holidays to support women, um, maybe women who are in transitional living situations, something like that uh, in the community. And it's just a wonderful opportunity. I always have a, uh, a voice in hiring speakers to booking speakers to speak at the events and all of that kind of stuff. So I love having an opportunity to lift other women up and to give them a platform uh, to speak. Yes, I love that. I love that you're supporting not only women in business, but women in tough situations too, because women in business come from tough situations. I'm living proof. So it's possible. I love that you're sharing that, that hope as a business organization to women who are not in business. I yeah. agree with you. And a lot of the skills that I have 
were developed in my childhood in a very tough situation. And that's why I'm good at emergencies. (laughs) I love it. That's what my TED style talk is about. Ooh, Um, I'm going to have to go find that. I think I need to listen (laughs) to that TED talk. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. I agree that that's what, you know, that gritty background is what makes a really powerful business owner. Our mess is our message. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I love to to stand and tell people like, no, I was a mess. Let me tell you a mess hundred percent through and through. And it's possible for you. And not only that, but recognizing that, like you said, speaking at conferences and lifting up women who are in business, who are trying to be all those things to every person in their business, in their families, in their communities, it's tough, right? And there's enough success for us all. So when I heard someone in a business, a women's business conference say last year, you know, there used to be so much competition, especially in real estate and in, in these women dominated industries that we don't recognize sometimes that there's really enough success for everyone. Take a macroeconomics class someday and, and understand that like you can get to the top of that elevator, send that bitch back down. Let's bring some more ladies up <laughs> to the top. Right, right. And I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I think it's very important for women to support other women. Yeah. And it's time for the men and, and everyone else in, in this world to understand that, like, they're not, they're, they're, we're not going to just like stand by and wait for our seat at the table. We already have one and they need to get used to us being there and showing up because we have value to bring and a completely different perspective from what our fathers and grandfathers were looking at in business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did anyone other than um, you, you mentioned that your husband is a business owner. Did you grow up with other entrepreneurs or business owners in your family or, or what kind of inspired you to do that on your own? Yeah, my paternal grandfather had a painting business that is still going strong with uh, my cousin is running it. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And my maternal grandmother had an insurance business. So I guess it was it was definitely in my environment. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you had some inspiration, but they probably didn't share how hard it was going to be with you. No, I, mean, <laughs> I think it, for them, it just seemed very natural that they were doing what they were doing. We never really talked about, uh, you know, whether it was hard or easy, you know? Yeah. Would you like to share a story about the the difficult childhood and how that made you who you are? Sure. So, um, yeah, when I was, it was interesting when I started this business and I was thinking about like, why do people even ask me if I would do something like help your husband navigate this after you? Yeah. Like, why am I that person? Right. Yeah. And when I was in corporate, some of the people I reported to would say that in an emergency, you're the person that I want by my side. And so, and I was always kind of attracted to uh, handling, like being in business areas that were very stressful, like a lot could go wrong. You know, you had to be flexible and um, be a problem solver. And so as I reflected on that, um, I was able to look back and see certain situations in my early childhood. Um, So I had a very tumultuous childhood 
my mother had uh, bipolar and my father uh, had a bunch of different issues and anger issues were one of them. So it was like, it was sometimes, it was like chaotic. It was violent. Um, yeah. So I was actually, when I was five, um, my parents were having an argument the night before, and I am so nosy. I wanted to know what it was about. <laughs> so my bedroom was right over the dining room, and I could hear like almost every word. And I'm like, what is going on? So the next day, I, my father was walking up the stairs, and I was walking up next to him. And I said, what were you arguing about last night? And uh, he looked at me and said, do you really want to know? And I said, yeah. And he backhanded me from the top of the stairs. And I went flying down to the bottom of the stairs. And uh, so it was just in 2020, I was having a really bad hip problem and went and got operated on. And they said that they removed scar tissue that was the size of a tendon from my left hip. And I knew exactly what that was from. From that Uh, fall. Yeah, from that fall. And so at that time, Mm. I was working with this group called Speaking Your Brand. And I was, uh, you know, working on creating a new signature talk. I had already worked with them on one. And so I had this operation and I was like, oh, I think I should talk about this. I should talk about why I'm so good at dealing with emergencies. This is the reason that I'm so good at it. Um, You know, so that's just like one example from my childhood that really in 2020, I was like, oh, I think I need to bring this into one of my signature talks. Um, And then from there, I, I did the TEDx talk style talk with Speaking Your Brand and one with this group called Elevate. Um, and then I started a LinkedIn live series called Struggle to Strength. And so I highlight my clients and collaborators and their stories where they connect the dots between struggles that they've experienced and the strengths that have resulted from them. Mm, that word struggles with strength just like gave me chills. I love it because I'm so much about like your message, your message, like people want to hear those lean in stories, like what you, you know, you did what you, you got pushed down some stairs when you were five. What? Tell me more. Those are the people don't want to hear about like strategic planning and, and consultations about like contingency plans. That's not interesting. It's necessary, but it's not interesting. That's interesting that you got what? No wonder you're so good at dealing with crap. That's it. That's it. So that's, that's my secret sauce. (laughs) I love it. When, uh, like my mindset coach says all the time, when you struggle enough, that's when you get it. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we see the importance of struggle, I think throughout our life, you know, that, that, that truly is how we, how we develop strengths and how we develop very clear perspective, you know, on what we want, what's right for us, what's wrong for us. Yes. But do you, this is like completely, I don't know, let's just get in the weeds. I mean, we're almost done, but do you ever struggle with like trying to help someone else move from that place of 
extreme trauma struggle to that successful being because it's such a journey to get. I know for me, it's been such a journey over the years of, you know, identifying why am I the way I am? What's gone on? How, you know, what have I been through? What does that mean? How do I move forward? And in such a healthier place than I used to be, but then people will come to me and say, oh my gosh, you've moved from here to here. How'd you do that? You're like, uh, I don't know, like a decade of time, therapy, prayer, meditation, exercise, screaming, crying. I don't know. Right. How do you communicate that to someone who's in the same place who wants to move to that position of power and strength from the struggle? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I don't know that I've ever been asked to like help somebody with that. I do think that after we have overcome some hurdles, the way that we show up can make it look like it was really easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <it> right? <laughs> no, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So even like people who know uh, what I've been through and that kind of stuff, you know, might have a perception of like, oh, she has it so easy. She retired at 55. She did, you know what I mean? So there's this yeah. of like having it easy, even though uh, yeah. the truth is very different than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it just has to be enough to know that, you know, you got over it, you know, and not everybody has to know every gory detail, but the fact that it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's the example that we try and show, right? We don't hide, like I never want to hide or cover up where I came from. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, also, I'm also proud of who I am today and all that I've accomplished. So having that, you know, being able to show up with both sides of you, you know, being open and free about sharing that is important. I love that. Thank you so much for being vulnerable enough to vulnerable enough to share that story with us. I know that's hard, but you've absolutely deserve every ounce of success you have. I love to see this story of your entire life and where it's led you. Now, I think you mentioned you have a freebie for our guests listening here. I do. So I have a link for a free contingency plan kit. So this is a great way to get started. If you're interested in taking the first steps to create your contingency plan, uh, this will connect you to me, uh, to my email list. You're welcome to unsubscribe anytime, but if you would like to uh, hear more tips about contingency planning, then you'll, you'll get that through the emails. All right. Well, tell us where we get that and how beyond that, how we can engage your services. What's the best way to get a hold of you and, and get started for those thinking about like, I need that. Yeah. So the link for um, the free contingency plan kit is nichepartnershipconsulting.net slash queens. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um yeah, and then, so that'll connect you to the kit. And then if you would like to connect with me, you can just go to my website and uh, go down, head to contact me and submit uh, a connection there. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, just let me know that you heard me on the Queen's Lead podcast. All right. Well, you guys heard it here today. Start thinking about who's your second in command. Get them passwords for the love of everything. Get them into a last pass, no matter what, or on to paper. 
get with an estate planner. Mary Beth has a list of attorneys that she can connect you with. Go grab the freebie at nichepartnershipconsulting.net slash queens and click that book a consult with her today so that you guys can get started down the path of being prepared, whether you want to have a baby or go on a vacation, or if you are planning on dying because you've had enough, set your people up for success. Thanks. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> All right. There you go. I'm here to serve. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being my guest, Mary Beth on Queen's Lead. Thank you for being a queen who leads. Thank you so much, Amy. A pleasure to be with you today.